Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Let's ask the Lord to just bless our time in a real special way together today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive and it is quick and it is powerful according to Hebrews chapter 4. And I thank you that Galatians 4.19, Christ is being formed in us. Thank you, Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. There is a mighty deposit of your spirit in the people this morning. My prayer is Romans 1.11. There would be a mighty impartation from the Holy Spirit today. God, that we would see you in a more clear way. Father, I confess this morning as we're preaching that we are lifted by your word. I confess Proverbs 4 and verse 18 that our future is brighter and brighter and brighter because of you and your love for us. And we just receive it in the name of our Lord and best friend Jesus. And if you agree, would you say amen? amen. Well, we are in installment number two of Rising with the Resurrection. I know many of you were blessed last week because of the message, and I was absolutely blessed by the message as well. So we are rising with the resurrection. We're going to just review for just a moment, not enough to bore you, but just enough to catch you up if you are not here. Like our friend Sarah, she was not here, so we're going to catch her up. Come on, can we encourage Sarah, who we love? For those of you who don't know, Sarah was a a dedicated member and staff member here of our church for many years, uh, served in our youth ministry, worship ministry, and then she moved to another city, which we're still sad about, but we love and honor Sarah. So we'll review just enough so she kind of has an idea of where we are. We began on Easter Sunday with talking about the realities of the resurrection. You know, there's a question everyone must answer. Is the resurrection a hoax or is it history? Is it truth or is it a tell? Is it legit or is it a lie? Is it a fact or is it fiction? Is it a fable? We believe in this church the resurrection is fact. It is history. It is not a hoax. It is truth. It is not a tell. It is, a, it is legit. It is not a lie. Amen? I mean, that's kind of hard to say. I practiced all week to say that to you. And so we begin to give you 10 reliable research that rendered the resurrection as real. We'll, we'll walk down number 10 like the Dave Letterman list. We'll just count down number 10. Testimony of hundreds of millions of changed lives. Number 9. The ninth testimony is the explosive growth of the Christian church. This proves, ladies and gentlemen, the resurrection is real. Number 8. The belief of Jesus' own family, the fact that his family followed him, is a tremendous revelation and testimony to the resurrection. Look at number seven. Jesus made numerous appearances. At one time, over to, to over 500 people over a span of 40 days, Jesus appeared to his followers. Look at number six. We're counting down the top ten. <laughs> Unrelenting faith of the disciples post-resurrection. These disciples all fled. We're going to talk about that a little bit more today. They all fled in panic. They all fled in depression. They all fled in disgust. But after the resurrection, they were willing to stand and be killed for the cause of Christ. It's a tremendous proof of the resurrection. And by the way, this is on our podcast. And we want to say good morning to everyone listening online. Can we give a big hello? We have literally hundreds of people that have, have logged on and listened to our podcast. And so we want to just tell you about that. Go to our website, check it out. You can check out this message in, in its entirety. Look at number five. 
The numerous mentions in the New Testament, there are hundreds of mentions in the New Testament, and it's a very reliable source for the resurrection. Look at number four. The Romans still placed on the tomb. Not only was Jesus placed in a tomb, but the Romans, uh, the government put a seal on that tomb, which added further validity that it was actually proven that Jesus rose from the dead. Number three, the third reliable research is there were 16 men placed at the tomb. So it would have been impossible for someone to have stolen the body. Look at number two. Jesus was placed in a tomb, and we talked about the rock, and the stone was actually moved to a new location. If you study that in the original language, the stone was not just merely rolled away. It was actually taken and moved to another location. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Number one, on the cross, Jesus was actually dead. It was proven a Roman centurion verified. How many know you can't rise from the dead if you're not dead? And so he was legitimately dead. And we began to talk to you about the resurrection and what if it didn't happen and Paul gave us some realities in 1 Corinthians 15 you'll see this on the next screen some realities of no resurrection Jerry if there is no resurrection we are in trouble we have a problem we have a major issue number one Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that all preaching is vain and useless and how many of you know for the last 18 years I've not been saying a bunch of vain useless words I've been saying the truth of the gospel. Number two is all faith is a useless delusion. You are just in a delusion if you think that uh, Christ raised from the dead if it didn't really happen. Number three, the apostles were all lying about God. Number four, we are still guilty in our sins. There is no hope of eternal life. There's no hope of forgiveness. There's no hope of cleansing from my sin. There is no hope of eternal life. And then Paul said it this way. He said, if you believe in this and it didn't really happen, you are to be pitied among everybody in the world. You are to be most pitied above everyone in the world. But he went on to say in verse 20, the fact is we do have a resurrected Lord. And then we began to dive in last week to, we gave you four realms, but as I told you, they were going to increase. So now instead of four realms of rising with the resurrection, we're going to give you five I think it's a good time to give your neighbor a high five. Come on, give him a high five. We're going to give you five realms of rising with the resurrection. And let's start out by reading Ephesians chapter 2. We're talking about rising with the resurrection. So Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible declares in verse 1, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. How many of you can identify with that? At one point, separated from Christ, I was dead because of my disobedience and many sins sins but look at verse 4 but God was so rich in mercy that he loved us so much I love that it doesn't say God was rich in can you go on to verse 4 it doesn't say God was rich in mercy God loved us I love this 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 is this is how I would talk if I were writing the Bible God is so rich in mercy and God loved us so much my little daughter Lillian she's three she comes up and she says, Daddy, I love you so much. And I'll say, what? I, I didn't hear you. Can you say it again? And she'll say, I love you so much. And so not only did God love you, not only did God have mercy, it was so merciful and it was so much love. Isn't that good news? So the Bible says, even when we were dead in our sins, verse 5, even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. So not only did Christ... God raised Christ from the dead, but during the resurrection, God literally raised me from the dead when I accept Christ. And so look at verse 6. This is a powerful verse. It says, He raised us from the dead along with Christ. The whole point of this series and message is to tell you that you can rise with the resurrection. 
God has a lifting power and a lifting attribute a part of, as a part of the resurrection, and we can partake of that. Your life can rise because of the resurrection. Notice here, for God raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us. Notice the inclusiveness here. Seated us with Him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So let me give you the first two realms that we covered last week. Number one is revelation and illumination. Revelation and illumination. There is a blinding that goes on. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 that Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. That he's darkened the minds of those who are not believing. But yet when we come to Christ and we receive revelation of the resurrection, we are illuminated in our spirit and we see how good God is. And then that leads us to regeneration. When I receive the revelation of the resurrection, my mind is opened according to Ephesians 1. I then receive the, the regeneration, the rebirth. I'm born into the kingdom of God. God gives me new life. God gives me new life and new purpose. And we looked at the word from Titus chapter 3. We looked at regeneration. And it's the ancient Greek word palingenesia. Palingenesia is a compound Greek word from the word genesis, which means beginning or origin. And then palin means again or new. Put it together. Palingenesia, it's giving someone a new origin. It's taking something back to the original intent or the original state. So in your spirit, ladies and gentlemen, when you receive revelation of the resurrection and there's a regeneration, there's a rebirthing that happens, you're born again into the kingdom of God. In your spirit, you are taken back to the Garden of Eden. No sin, no sickness, no disease. In your spirit, you are perfect before God. You stand holy and right before God in your spirit. Isn't that good news? And so we are rebirthed. We are regenerated into the kingdom of God. Now let's jump into new material today. I want to give you some new things today that are very exciting that I think the Lord's going to speak to us in a tremendous way. Number three, the third realm of rising with the resurrection. Number three is reactivating God's promises and provision. If you're taking notes, I hope you are. Write it down. So we receive revelation of the resurrection we're reborn again, there's regeneration, and then there's reactivation of God's promises. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelt because it's going to be good. God had original intent back in the Garden of Eden for mankind. He gave them such promises, such provision, such blessing, unbroken fellowship with God. And Satan came along and he stole that when he deceived mankind. And so when we receive this resurrection, we, we can reactivate the promises of God. How many of you have heard all the promises of God are yes and amen? amen? How many of you have heard that God has a promise for you? And God has a promise for your family? Ladies and gentlemen, I just believe that there is a promise over my life and my family. I just believe there's a promise over this church. I just believe there's a promise of God that can be reactivated in my life. You see, Satan's motive is to deactivate. His motive is to, uh, to push down and to water down and to dilute. And God says, I want to reactivate all my promises in your life. I want to show you some things here this morning in God's Word. So spiritually, we go back to our state in the Garden of Eden. This is, this is a place of unbroken fellowship with God. This is a world without sin and effects in our spirit, which is where God wants us to be. Of course, we live in a body. We live in a world. I understand that we, we have the effects of sin in the body. I understand that. But there's a layer here, a level of God's promise that we can walk in. Look at 2 Peter 1. This is going to help you in such a tremendous, tremendous way. This is one of the most powerful sets of Scripture. If you were just to isolate one 
tiny section of all the scripture. There is so much wisdom, so much revelation in this passage. Let's take a look here. Follow with us on the screen, 2 Peter chapter 1. Seeing that his divine power. Now, I love that word divine power. We used that word last week. It means dynamite, explosive power. It is the same power. Ephesians 1.19 says it raised Christ from the dead. So we could say his resurrection power. How many know it takes a lot of power to raise a dead man? How many know it takes a lot of power to raise a dead man and get him out of the tomb? And all those proofs that we just, just saw. So the resurrecting power of God, the same power, the mighty hand of God that you, was used to raise Jesus from the dead, that divine power has granted to us. We have so many Christians who live their life and they don't feel like God has given them anything. I don't have anything from God. What has God given me? What has God done for me? What they don't understand is that it has been granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Notice that phrase here, life and godliness. Meaning, God, through Jesus, through your born-again spirit, when you're regenerated into the kingdom of God, you have everything you need for this life, and you have everything you need for godliness. Now, isn't it good news that we have everything for life? I mean, you know, life is hard. Karen Angela just buried a family member this week. Sweet Mama, we love her. She's with the Lord. You guys know life is hard. There's challenges. And we love these folks. They've been so strong. And thank you for coming around to support them. We all have challenges. Life is hard. But God has given us everything we need to make it through this life. But not only is life hard, do you understand godliness is hard? You know, living for God is hard. This is not an easy pancake walk. This is full of sacrifice. This is full of inconvenience. The walk of following God is not an easy road to take. That's why the Bible says wide is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life and few be there that find it. And you know, there's not a traffic jam on the extra mile, right? No traffic jam on the extra mile. This walk of faith is not an easy walk. But God says, through my spirit, I've given you everything you need for this natural, physical life. And I've given everything you need to be godly. To be a man of God. To be a woman of God. To be a, a great parent, a great guardian. To be a great church member. God is, through his spirit, giving us everything that we need. Now notice this here. Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Meaning you didn't have anything to do with it. You can't work for earn or deserve these promises you can only receive you can't work for earn or deserve these promises they've been given to you by the divine power of God all you've got to do is receive put yourself in position under the spout where the glory is being poured out now look at the next verse in verse 4 check this out the Bible declares this in verse 4 for by these by what his own glory and excellence for by these for by God's glory and by his excellence, for by these he has granted to us his precious promises and their magnificent promises, so that by them, notice this, they're, they're magnificent, they're precious, they're promises, so that by them you may become a partaker of the divine nature. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? There is a divine nature of God, and God says, I want you to partake of my divine nature, my divine love, my divine joy, my divine peace, my divine provision, my, my divine mental stability. How many know God's not up in heaven chewing his fingernails wondering how he's going to pay the bills? He's not laying off the angels in heaven, right? God's not worried about the economy. God has divine peace. 
so we can take advantage and partake of God's divine joy. I'll never be depressed another day in my life. You know why? Because I've got divine joy. Doesn't mean I'll always be happy. You understand the difference between happiness and joy? I, I, I think it's great to be happy all the time. I'm happy most of the time. Joyful all the time. Right? You, you lose a loved one or there's a tragic situation, that's not a good time to be happy. Can I have an amen? You might be a suspect in the crime if you're too happy. So just because it's a bad situation, that doesn't mean you should be happy. That's weird. I mean, that's when people think you're weird, you know. But you can still have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. Let me prove it. Happiness is based on your happenings. Get this now. Happiness is based on what's happening around me. That's why the Bible says in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in your job. Is that what the Bible says? Some of you are like, well, I've never read that. I'm not sure. That's why the Bible says rejoice in your family. Rejoice in your church. That's why the Bible says rejoice in your awesome, joyful pastor. No, because I will let you down. I will let you down. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord. Do you know why it says rejoice in the Lord? And again, I'll say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord, but you didn't hear me. You didn't get it. I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. And I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Why do I put my joy in the Lord? Because Jesus never changes. If my joy is in a man or a woman, they change. If my joy is in a job, jobs change. If my joy is in a house, houses change. And they get old and things break. And pipes burst. If my joy is in this beautiful sidewalk that I built, in one year there'll be grass growing up through my beautiful sidewalk. And if my joy is attached to that, my joy is gone. My joy is like shifting sand. That's why God wants you consistent. Do you know how to be consistent in your joy? Put it in the Lord. It's not about your surroundings. It's not about what's going on. It's about the divine nature of peace, the divine nature of love, because I have placed all my being in God. I'm now partaking of His divine nature. Doesn't mean I don't have, you know, bad situations and things like that, but we can always choose the joy of the Lord. Notice this here that these magnificent promises will allow you to partake of the divine nature and they will help you escape the corruption that is in this world. How many of you believe we are in a corrupted world? So how do we escape the corruption of the world? Do you know why we exist as a church? Because we have the answer. We are the solution. When I look out over this congregation, I see solution, 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 solution. You are the solution to the world. There's a world full of lust and corruption. There's a world that Satan is, is having a time with. But I am the solution. We are the answer. Emmanuel, assembly of God, is a part of the answer to a lost and dying, hurting world. But if we do not partake of God's divine nature, how can we give that to other people? So... We need to be reactivating God's promises in our life. Now, let's talk to you for just a minute about activating God's promises. I love it when you get a new toy for Christmas. And let me know, even though I'm older, I still like toys for Christmas. And my kids will get a toy for Christmas, and they'll bring it to me, and they'll be like, Tate will be, you know, motioning that it's not working, and, and, and I'll look around, and they're pushing the buttons, and nothing's going on. The toy's not lighting up, not making any sound, which I think is perfect. I'm like, it's not broken. This is exactly like it's supposed to be. But they know it's supposed to make sound, noise, and they bring it to me. And I look at the bottom of it. I'll flip it over, and there's this little plastic tab in between there. And it says, pull me. 
remove before operation. You know what I'm talking about. Meaning the batteries are installed. The power source is there, charged up, ready to go. But there's something blocking the connection from the batteries to the little metal leads that cause the power, the circuit to be completed. So when you pull the little plastic strip out, joy comes out of the box. The thing takes off, makes lights and sounds, and everybody's happy. What have I done? I've activated what was already there. Ladies and gentlemen, my job this morning is to stir you up and to activate what's already on the inside of you. Because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. But because of depression and because of lies and because of experience, listen, ladies and gentlemen, so many times experience becomes the little plastic strip that blocks what God wants to do in my life because I had a bad experience. I had a bad fall. I had a bad hurt. I had a bad, so I didn't see a prayer answered. And so we take that negative experience and it blocks the power from connecting in our life and we don't see the divine nature. So let me help you this morning activate God's promises. I love it here. Faith, number one, activates God's word. Faith activates God's word. The Bible says in Romans 1.17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You know why you should come to church? Many of reasons. But one is just hearing the word of God. It causes faith to rise in your heart. You know why you should listen to podcasts? Because faith rises in your heart. You know why you should read the Bible out loud to yourself? Because faith rises in your heart just from hearing the word of God. So faith activates God's word. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to see this in a real clear, powerful way. Hebrews chapter 4, and I believe it's verse 1. Therefore, let us fear. It means to respect. It means to take notice. The, the writer here is saying we need to pay careful attention to what I'm about to say. Let us fear. Let us take this very serious. That while a promise remains of entering his rest. There's a promise that remains of entering his rest. Now, this is not rest necessarily from work. This is not rest from you know, eternal, perpetual, I'm just going to sit at home and be lazy all the time. This is more of an internal rest. This is more of, I'm not striving to earn God's promises. I'm not working for trying to earn or deserve the promises of God. They've been given. Therefore, just like this stage will hold me up without any effort on my part, I'm resting on the stage. So God's promises, I can rest in the promises of God. They will hold me up. They will sustain me all by themselves. I don't have to work for God's promises. Notice this here, that a promise remains of entering his rest on the inside, at peace with myself, with God. Any one of you may seem to have come short of it. So he's saying, I am concerned if anybody in the house has come short of entering into the rest. Now look at verse 2. He, he draws a, a powerful contrast here. For indeed, we've had the good news preached to us. What am I doing this morning? How many of you have ever heard a sermon preached to you? Uh, everybody in the room. How many of you say, I'm not raising my hand no matter what you say. Okay. For indeed, we've heard the good news. Catch this now. What are we talking about? The promise of entering rest. I want you to, to get this this morning. There's a promise of entering rest, meaning there's a place in God where you receive the promises of God because of how much He loves you and because of what Jesus did, not because of how good Joseph is, 
Joseph can give and pray and serve and give his tithe and give to missions and you should do all those things. But none of those things will cause you to be good enough to earn and deserve the promises of God. They are because of Jesus and Jesus alone. Therefore, it takes you out of the equation. I'm resting. I'm not striving for earning and deserving God's promises. If I pray enough, then God will hear me. If I give enough, then God will meet my needs. If I go to church enough, then maybe God will be gracious to me and do this and that. And the other. Now, we have a part. I'm going to show you that later on. We have a part to play. But it doesn't bring them. It just positions us to receive what God has already done. Now, notice this here. For indeed, we have had the good news preached to us. In my heart, Rinkim, I see a farmer scattering seed. I have a bare spot at my home because apparently when a tree has leaves and the leaves fall, you're supposed to get them up in the fall and not wait till the spring. <laughs> and so if you've been to my house recently, there's a giant bare spot around the tree. What is that? Well, I just blew my leaves to the tree <laughs> and I didn't get them up. <laughs> and so I have a massive bare spot around my tree. So I took some grass, Joseph, and... Put it out, did what you're supposed to, watered it, and now like I have little grass here, little grass here, little grass here. It's still not what it needs to be. So I'm preaching, I'm scattering seed. Notice this here. We've had the good news preached to us just as they did also. But the Bible says, Hebrews 4, but the word that they heard, the seed that was sown, Luke 8, 11, the word of God is a seed. Notice this here. It did not profit them. Underline that word in your mind, profit. The word that they heard. They heard the word. Just like Meshach is hearing and just like Angela's hearing. Just like Joseph. Is, everybody in the room today is hearing the word. But my fear is this. It did not profit them because it was not united and mixed with faith by those who heard it. Meaning two groups of people can sit in the same room. And one group of people gets the word of God, receives it, and walks away changed. And the other, it doesn't do anything for. But it's the same message. It's the same word. Because it's not mixed with faith. Faith activates the Word of God. The Word of God is a seed. And faith activates that Word. Now look at number two. Go back to the to second screen there. Revelation of God's promises activates faith. So a revelation of how much God loves me activates faith in my heart. It becomes alive. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. We saw this the other day, but it bears looking at again. Ephesians 1.18 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that the eyes of your heart and understanding would be open, so that you would know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches, glory of His inheritance in the saints. God wants to reveal to you and bring revelation which will activate your faith. Now let's take it one step further. Look at the third point here in this screen. Meditation activates revelation. Now, how many of you, when I said meditation, you just checked out? I'm going to tell you a secret here. The world has hijacked the term meditation. And we are taking it back. Meditation is not some little Asian man, you know, meditating with, you know, incense and all that. And, and, and you know, that's garbage. And we won't be having you do that here at Emmanuel Assembly. Aren't you glad? Come next week, bring your incense. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's for a life group. That's what happens in the homes. We are teasing, I hope. I've never been to his life group. Maybe we need to inspect what's going on here. Meditation has been hijacked by the world, by society. It's goofy new age, but the Bible, it's a biblical word. Say this to me. Say, meditation 
is a God word. I want you to see this in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This will help you in such a tremendous way. So I meditate and it brings revelation. And that revelation brings me to a point of faith which activates God's word in my life. That's how you activate the promises of God in your life. You meditate on a promise in his word. It brings revelation. This is for me. This belongs to me. Jesus paid for this. You become one with the scripture. The scripture becomes alive in your heart. You can no longer separate you from that scripture. And then faith arises in your heart and you receive the promises of God. Look at Joshua 1.8. This book of the law. Now that's obviously Old Testament. They had the, the books of the law. We now have the completed word of God. We have the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. That is the book for me. You know what my kids sing? The B-I-D-D-L-E. That is the biddle for me. I'm telling you, that's what my kids sing. And you can sing that too if you would like. It's a very catchy song. Please don't. <laughs> So the book, you guys are going to be singing that all the way home now. But the book of the law, God's word. If you've got a Bible in your hand, hold it up. Just let me see it. These men of God up here have Bibles. Look, the word of God shall not depart from your... Christians are too quiet. Christians are too quiet. Like, like right now. But you shall meditate. Remember, that's a God word. It's not a new age society word. This is a God word. But we don't, know, we don't know what it means. You shall meditate day and night. Somebody say day and night. Day and night. Meaning this is not a casual thing. This is not just I'll take it when I can. And if I think about it before I go to bed, I'll read a scripture here and there. This is an intentional meditation day and night. Notice this here, so that you may be careful to do and to observe. Another translation says to observe. So you, how do you know? How do you know? You can't do what you don't know. Oh, that's good. You can't do what you don't know. So the Bible says we meditate day and night so we know. And then we do what we know. The Bible's not something to know. It's something to do. James 1.22 says we would be a doer of the word, not just someone who hears. Notice this here, Joshua 1.8, so that you may be careful to do all that is written there. And how many know we are a full gospel people? We believe in the full gospel in light of the whole gospel. We've got to take Old Testament revelation of the New Testament. We can't throw any of it out. It's all sacred. It's all good. It's all for our example. It's all inspired by God. It says that you may be careful to do all that is written therein for then. Somebody say then. Now if I... Could, man, I would take out that little word then. If I had a little white-out marker and I was brave enough and I wanted to do my own little deal, I would underline and take out and cut out that word then. Because that word then is absolutely life-changing. Notice this here. Meditate day and night so that you'll be careful to do all that is written there. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. God doesn't have to make your way prosperous and successful because He's already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. It's in the book. And so now, please hear me carefully here. A lot of my success and a lot of my prosperity in Him is now up to me, not up to God. God's given me everything that pertains to life and godliness. It's in that book. It's in the promises. But in order to receive what is after then, remember then, I have to do what is before then. So we have a lot of Christians that want prosperous and good success. How many of you would raise your hand and say, I want prosperous and good success? 
Well, if you want what is after then, then you must do what is before then. And what is before then? Meditating on the scriptures day and night. Are you ready for some revelation? Here we go. The word meditate in the Hebrew is the word haga. Everybody look at your name and go, haga. <laughs> you sound good. You sound like you've got a hairball. <laughs> haga. Listen what haga means. Listen what meditate means. It means to speak or mutter. Over and over and over. How many of you mutter? How many of you talk to yourself? You know, talk to yourself. The other day I was praying in the Holy Spirit and what the Bible calls my prayer language uh, that's the tongues of you know angels and tongues of men and Lillian came up and she said daddy are you speaking in Spanish I said maybe who knows who knows I don't know maybe but it means to meditate means to mutter it means to roll over and over and over it means to speak now notice this here let's go a little bit further it actually means to slow down and ponder to meditate to to mutter and roll over and speak over and over again to slow down and to ponder. And let me take it one step further. You ready? This is going to change your life right here. You ready? Here we go. Haga means to imagine. It means to imagine. So when I read that I'm the head and not the tail, when I read that I'm blessed in the city and blessed in the field, and when I read that greater is he that is in me, I must speak it, mutter it over and over again. I must slow down and ponder that, and I must imagine myself walking in that promise. My spiritual father in the faith, Jim Freese from Mount Juliet, went through a very, very, very sick time, maybe 15 years ago. He lost a lot of weight, could barely walk. He could barely talk, had tremendous heart challenges. His diet was Mountain Dew and Reese Cups. He was preaching over 15 times a week, running a Bible school, loading up on Mountain Dew and Reese's Cups. How many of y'all made all the Reese's fans mad in the house today? But he would, he would go to preach somewhere, and he would just barely be able to talk and barely be. And he was a builder, a workout, workout man, a bodybuilder, and he went down to like me. I mean, it was terrible. He, he looked very sick. And, and you know what he did? He tells this story in such a powerful way. He told his wife, and he, was, he, he could barely get out of bed, just crazy heart problems, cardiovascular challenges. He could barely get out of bed. And he said, I want you to go get a picture of me when I was 19 years old. And he put that picture all over his house. When he'd go to the refrigerator, he would see him there, strong and stable. When he'd go to the bathroom to brush his teeth, he'd see him uh, without a shirt on, just ripped, just muscles coming off of muscles. And he said that inspired him to imagine himself healthy again. Do you know the Bible says, the, the, remember the woman, I believe it was, I don't want to get the story confused, but there was a woman, uh, I believe it was the woman with the issue of blood, it was, yeah, she had, she had went to all the doctors, but yet it says she grew worse, she had a grow worse image. So Jesus had to undo that grow worse image before she could ever receive the promise. Some of you have been in such a bad situation for so long, you can't even imagine yourself in something different. And the fact that you cannot imagine yourself in a different situation is part of the reason why you may continue to stay in that situation. Now, this is not an overnight fix. This is not a lucky rabbit's foot in the sky. This is taking a promise of God, and this is muttering it over and over and over. I'm meditating on this promise. I'm speaking this promise, and I'm seeing myself healed. I'm seeing myself with joy. I'm seeing myself with my bills paid every month. 
I'm seeing myself witnessing to my family when I'm afraid. I'm seeing myself laying hands on the sick and them being recovered. I'm seeing myself full of the joy of the Lord. I may be down and out and depressed, but in my spirit, I can imagine me walking out the promise of God. Come on, let's give God things. Meditate on God's word day and night. Well, pastor, I don't know what to do. What are you talking about? Look at this next screen. So meditation releases revelation. Revelation releases faith, which equals progress. I meditate. Revelation comes. Faith is released. And I have progress. I move forward in the name of Jesus. Well, Pastor James, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know what to claim. How about this on protection? Can you pull this up here? Look at this on protection. How about this protection scripture? The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3, in verse 3, the Bible says the Lord is faithful and He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. How about I meditate and roll over and over again? The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen me. He will protect me from the evil one. On the way up this morning, driving in the parking lot, I quoted this scripture, Lord, over this congregation today, I thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you're strengthening us. Thank you that you protect us from the evil one. How about you mutter over and over and over again, Psalm 91 and 10, as you see right here. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. That's your house. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. How about you mutter over and over again and imagine that promise. I heard a preacher the other day who specializes in ministering to Muslims. And he did an entire session with 300 plus Assemblies of God pastors on how to interact and engage and minister to Muslims. And I want to do that seminar here in the future. It's just incredible. He takes his seminary students, he's a teacher at a seminary, and they go to a mosque. And some of, so many of us would be so afraid to do that. And somebody asked him, they said, you know, aren't you afraid to do that? He said, greater is he that is in me than in he that is in the world. I have nothing to fear. Now, we're not saying be foolish and don't be wise and, and that sort of thing. But ladies and gentlemen, God will give his angels command concerning you. He will keep you in all of your ways. I believe it's the Amplified Bible that says in all of your ways of obedience. If you're going in your own way apart from God, you can't. God does not bless disobedience. Some of us go our own way and we do our own thing and we don't get wisdom. We don't look at counsel and then we make a mess and we ask God to bless our mess. But in all of our ways of obedience, in all of our ways of following Him, we can trust this promise. How about the next one? How about the promise of peace? How about the powerful... Go to the next screen, please. How about the powerful promise? of peace check this out Philippians 4 7 and the peace of God which passes all comprehension will guard your heart and your mind in Christ mutter that over and over again Lord thank you that your peace guards my heart it's a powerful promise what about the next one check this out go to the next screen please look at provision Look at the promise of provision. And my God will supply. Doesn't say maybe. Doesn't say if he feels like it. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Now I don't want to bust your bubble. But Philippians 4 in context is in, in the churches that were giving to Paul's ministry and mission sacrificially. 
I don't want to bust your bubble there, but you ought to check it out. It says, and my God will supply all of your needs. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a promise we should mull over and over and over. We should imagine all of our needs being met as we're following God, as we're meditating and doing the Word. How about Psalm 3410? I love this. It says, the young lions will lack and they will even suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not be in want or lack any good thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a promise of provision. Amen. Go to the next one. What about the promise of prolonged life? I put this one here on purpose. This is for somebody in the room today. You may be in here today. You may be listening online and you are scared of dying young. You are afraid of dying before your time. And I believe the Lord put this in here for you today because you need to imagine yourself an old man. You need to imagine yourself an old woman. Matter of fact, if you struggle with this, I would honestly, I would write out your own birthday card that says, Happy 90th birthday. I am ser- you think I'm joking, but I am serious. If you fear dying young before your time, you fear that, that and it's a fear that you settle, I would have my wife write me a birthday card, or my husband, or my aunt, or somebody. Write yourself a birthday, Happy 90th birthday, John. Happy 90th birthday, Sam. Happy... And you put that on your mirror, and you do not let Satan attack you on this. What are you talking about, preacher? The Bible says in Psalm 91, 16, with a long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Well, what about so-and-so? They died young. I understand. I know that. Have compassion for that. Have sympathy for that. I can't speak to why that happened. All I can speak of is concerning me with long life. God's going to satisfy me, and he's going to show me my salvation. What about Deuteronomy 5 and 33? It declares this boldly. It says, You shall walk in the way of the Lord that God has commanded you that you may live. Somebody say live. Live. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. If you struggle with that, I would quote this. Lord, I thank you. I will live long in the land that you've given me to possess. What about Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 2? Concerning the word of God, concerning the teaching of God, for length of days and years of life. Let me say something here in a kind way, in a gentle way, but I have to bring a contrast here. And I don't think she would care for me sharing this because I'm going to share it in a, a kind, gracious way, but it's, it's just a fact. Uh, Rita's grandmother, wonderful woman of God, loved God. She was bedridden for about 15 years. She had a terrible disease and lost mental faculties and capacities and lived in a bed 15 years. That's very hard to do. And I understand that. This is not a condemnation on her at all. She was a wonderful, wonderful woman. But this scripture here says length of days. See, I'm not just believing God for length of days. This is what I'm believing God for, Jim. Years of life. I don't just want length of days. I don't want to live to be 100 in a debilitated condition, ladies and gentlemen. So what am I believing God for? It's a promise of God. I believe in God for length of days and years of life. Say this with me, everybody, if you can out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe you for a length of days. And I believe you for years full of life. In Jesus' name. I hope that's for you. Can we give the Lord thanks this morning? You can believe God for a prolonged life. What about power and strength? Look at the next one. The Bible declares 
Psalm 118 in verse 18, I will not die, but I will live and I will proclaim what the Lord has done. What about, this is for physical and emotional healing, physical and emotional healing. What about Psalm 103, 1 through 5, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his name. Forget not all of his benefits. It says here in, in Psalm 103, I will not forget his benefits. He forgives all my sins and he heals all my disease. He redeems my life from the pit and he crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. God, I thank you concerning emotional healing and physical healing that you that you heal all my disease and you forgive all my sins. And, and my youth is renewed like the eagles. You give me life, full of life. What about the next one? Power and strength. Power and strength is found in Isaiah 40 and verse 29. It says, He gives strength to the weary. Receive this this morning. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But are you ready? Receive this promise of power. Receive this promise of strength. But those who hope and wait in the Lord shall renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and will not faint. How many know that's a promise of God? Can you pull that next screen up? Big guy, I want them to just see that. Power and strength. Thank you. There we go. Write that down. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. Let's go to the next one. Last one. We're going to... Let you go home today. Go to the next screen, please. Our last one is the promise of His presence. The promise of His presence. God told Jacob in Genesis 28, 15, I'm with you. I will watch over you wherever you go. This is a promise, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to meditate. We're going to release God's Word. We're going to activate the promises of God in our life. It says, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until what I have promised you has been done. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, please don't check out. Don't turn me off. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. What about the Bible that says in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never desert you. I will never leave you. I will never leave you until what I have promised you has been done. Amen? Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, we can receive and activate the promises of God in our life. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I want you to play this song. It's called Overflow. And I just want you to, to let the Lord speak to you this morning through this song. Because God is here. And we can activate His promises in our life. Let's just rest in the Lord this morning. Lord, I've come to my end Out of shadows I see your hand I believe what you said That you're not done with me I know you always make a way I know you've always stayed the same I believe what you say That you're not done with me
you.